This is Sermonsmith, a bi-weekly conversation about the craft of sermon preparation, and my name is John Chandler. Our guest today is Felipe Assis. Felipe is the pastor and founding pastor of Crossbridge Church in Miami, Florida. Fun to hear Felipe give his perspective on preaching both in the United States and in Brazil, as well as church planting in both places. I think you'll gain a lot out of what he has to say. A quick shout-out of thanks to someone who goes by Tucson Pastor for your review on iTunes, and to all of you, uh, iTunes reviews really helpful, always appreciated. Uh, And that's all I've got for an intro today. We're going to jump right in. Here is Felipe Assis. Well, Felipe, uh, give us a little bit of your background. Tell us about the church, where you are, where you're located, what the church looks like. So... um I'm the uh, senior pastor at Crossbridge Church. We're here in Miami. We have uh, three different campuses. Uh, there's a Pinecrest campus, which is near the University of Miami. Uh, we have a Brickell campus, which is downtown Miami. And we have uh, another campus called uh, in, in a neighborhood called Miami Springs, and it's just north of the Miami airport. So just to situate yourself. If you've been in Miami, it's kind of UM, downtown airport area. Yeah. And are you, I feel like I remember reading this. Are you the founding pastor? I am. This is, uh, this church is uh, actually a replant. Uh, This was a dying um, Presbyterian church. Uh, It used to be a thriving church back in the 80s, but with the sequence of bad pastors and the cultural changes that Miami went through, the church started to quickly uh, die. And, uh, and they, the, the, what's interesting was that the pastor that actually planted this church uh, in the early 70s um, is a man by the name of Terry Geiger, who, uh, who was uh, one of Redeemer's founding pastors in New York with Tim Keller. And uh, Terry was running the uh, church planting center for Redeemer. And before the church actually made any decision... Uh, one of them being to fold and actually sell the property they called their founding pastor, Terry. And Terry told them about the possibility of uh, helping them to replant. And so at the time I was in Brazil, South America, I was working with uh, Redeemer City to City and had planted a church. I was five years into it, helping other guys, coaching and all that. And, uh, And then they approached me. And they said, hey, uh, I think you'd be a very good fit in Miami because of your cultural background and the way in which you were raised. <laughs> and, uh, and so they brought me to Miami, and I, I, um, I led the church through a replant process. We had a funeral service one day and <laughs> uh, shut the church down for about three weeks, and then we uh, reopened that as Crossbridge. And uh, since then, we went on to start a campus downtown, and uh, and the campus in Miami Springs is, is actually another replant of a very old Presbyterian church, First Presbyterian Miami Springs. We replanted that church under our church family, and uh, now they're part of our church family. So, yeah. so that's, that's kind of like the, the story behind Crossbridge. And how's the, how's the preaching happen in the campuses? Are they videos, or is there a team, or do you travel around? How's that work? Uh, no, no video, no video at all. Uh, I do travel around, uh, but I do have campus pastors that are preachers and I preach about, um, half of the time in one campus and, uh, at the other campus, 
I used to do all the preaching, but now the campus pastor is doing probably 80% or 75% of the preaching. I do about 25% of the preaching for him. And, and so there are Sundays that I preach four times and then there are Sundays that I preach two times. And, and so that's, that's how it looks like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, so does the other campus pastors, do they preach the same sermon or do you, is everybody kind of same topic, but develop their own sermon? Yeah. So we have, uh, we go through, um, the same sermon series Yeah, and, uh, same passages and all that. And, I usually am the one responsible for mapping everything out, but uh, you know, pretty recently I've been inviting these pastors as they're developing as you know preachers and all that to be a part of that uh, process as well. Um, and then we, on a weekly basis, get together and we throw ideas around about the passages and share resources with each other. And then they go on to uh, to write their own sermons. Uh, I send I go I send my. Uh, my manuscript, well, it's not a manuscript, I would say, but my sermon notes out to them on uh, Thursday or Friday. And sometimes it helps them, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and so sometimes the sermon uh, at the other campus will look very much like mine, uh, obviously with a different flavor. Sometimes it's completely different. I leave it up to their discretion. And then the sermon gets translated. Oh, I also have, a, uh, we also have a Spanish service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and a Mandarin service, and so we're, they're also unified. And so uh, when I send the notes out, that helps the Spanish pastor to translate it into Spanish, and also to preach the same sermon uh, or the same out of the same passage in Spanish. But the Mandarin, uh, they they just like translate word for word, and then they on Sundays. Uh, will use translation devices, uh, audio translation devices, mm. uh, with someone behind the mic, kind of you know going through the sermon uh, outline in in Chinese Mandarin, and and keeping up with the sermon at the same time, yes. like looking yeah. at the main. Wow, yeah, they, they, it, it's in a they're in a studio behind stage, and uh, and then they get an audio feed and a video feed, and and then they huh. uh, translate it. And they have the and they have the printed notes in front of them too in Chinese yeah. Mandarin. So. All right. Well, uh, let me ask a little more context question. You said you were in Brazil. Did you grow up in Brazil, or did you grow I, up in the United States? So I grew up in between. Okay. That's uh, that's uh, why I love Miami so much because most of the people here have sort of the same life story that I that I have. A fifty fifty one percent of the people in Miami are foreign born. So uh, I fit right in. Um, but yeah, I, I basically attended, well, when I was two years old, my parents moved to Philadelphia. I have a brother that was born there. And uh, then they moved back to Brazil um, because there, there were some family uh, and work issues that my, my dad had to take care of. And then uh, when they got all that straightened out, they moved back to the U.S. And I attended elementary school in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh my parents moved back to Brazil, and I attended middle and high school in Brazil. Uh, I met a uh, girl from North Carolina, and uh, we dated uh, long distance for four years while she was in college, and I was in uh, seminary at a bachelor's level. And then uh, we got married, and we lived in Charlotte for about five years, and then we moved to Brazil, and we planted a church and stayed there for five years, and now we're in Miami. So my whole life has been... Back and forth. And you've church planted in two countries then, too. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How far along is Crossbridge, I should ask? How long ago has it started? 
Uh, it was January. Uh, well, so I moved to Miami in January of 08. Uh, okay. The church was still called Emmanuel, but the replant didn't happen. The, the, the transition didn't happen until September of 08. So it's it's been going on for seven years, a little over seven years. Got it. All right. Well, thanks. That's all, that's all helpful context. You certainly have one of the more unique backgrounds in terms of having been in different places from anybody we've talked to so far and certainly having planted churches in two different countries. That's, But I, I mean, I do understand Miami is kind of just probably a bridge between both of the worlds you've lived in growing up, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, 70, over 70 percent of the people here um, have a, a, a Latin background. Uh, they're either first generations or second or third. But, uh, you know, um, more people in Miami speak Spanish than they speak English yeah. pretty much. Yep. Yeah, okay. Well, let's talk then about preaching within the life of Crossbridge. I mean, you talked a little bit about some of the collaboration that happens already, but why don't you uh, – uh, yeah, I looked at your website earlier. It looks like you don't do lectionary preaching. So why don't you tell us, like, how you outline or talk out what's, what series you're going to do, how far in advance you plan those, and what all that looks like. We uh, – uh, sometimes we plan a year ahead of time, and sometimes we plan, like, a semester. So right now, um, you know, at, at this juncture – uh, we have everything planned out till the summer. And so I think, uh, you know, mid spring, we'll probably regather, regroup and collaborate and try to come up with something, uh, for the rest of the summer and the fall. Yeah. When you and, say, and, and, and then Advent. So, and when you say we, is that you and the campus pastors or who's involved in that? Yeah. Me and the teaching team. So besides the campus pastors, I also have other people that are part of the teaching team. I have some elders that also teach. Uh, regularly, um, and so we we sit down together and we you know we pray and say you know what is that God is telling us and the Spirit is leading us to teach the church, um, and, and then we come up with some ideas and I usually come up I we usually come to these meetings with with some ideas already and then, but we're also open handed and uh, and then out of that uh, we go back and we map things out. Um, and then we, and then I, I'm responsible for creating a rotation and just making sure that uh, uh, every, everyone knows when they're preaching and uh, the passages that they're preaching and all that sort of thing. So, and that, does it tend to be more exegetical, or do you do some topical stuff? How's that breakdown? Uh, so, yeah, our 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 style is like expository preaching. Uh, I usually like to do, you know, Old Testament, New Testament sort of thing, go back and forth between series. So sometimes it doesn't work that way. But, uh, you know, sometimes we'll do uh, uh, a fourfold series. Uh, like right now, we're going through uh, uh, just a fourfold series on discipleship, and we're just going to the early chapters of um, um, Matthew, Mark, and John, and uh, kind of, you know, um, revisiting those passages and so and then sometimes we go through a whole book right after this we're going to go through first peter uh and we're going to put an emphasis on uh you know living across a focused life and a community driven life but it's all out of first peter and so it's, it's much more of like an expository um you know exegetical sort of approach to the teaching yeah okay and what would you say Within the life of Crossbridge, what would you say is the role of preaching? Like, is it most? Is it pretty teaching focused? Is it proclamation, or like, how does it fit into what you hope to accomplish? 
Okay. Uh, it's very, I think we're like uh, very conversational. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we just try to uh, engage uh, people where they're at, uh, their questions, their doubts, um, you know, speak into, uh, you know, their issues, their idols, uh, retell, help them to, uh, to retell their story in light of the, the story of God, the gospel. Um, so, but, uh, different, different, different preachers here, I mean, sort of have different styles. My style, I think my style is more of like a conversational style, uh, which I've learned from Keller. Um, it's, it's between a teaching lectionary and also, um, conversational. Yeah. Okay. I think you're, uh, I don't know if it's maybe your microphone is scraping on your shirt a little bit. There you go. Okay. Yeah, Ready. that'll help. <laughs> it up. I was trying to figure out what, what was that sound? Um, Okay. Well, that, all that being said, why don't you walk us through, like, what's your week-to-week look like? You know, maybe you just want to take a particular sermon that you have in mind, or, and maybe it changes every week, but what does your rhythm look like from the time, a text or topic that you know that you're particularly going to be preaching on all the way up to Sunday? What does it look like for you to put that together? So I, I try to start uh, the preparation for a sermon two weeks ahead. Okay. So what I do is... Um, two, uh, two Wednesday, the two Wednesdays before the, the sermon is preached, I begin, I do, uh, I sit down and I, you know, pray over the passage, uh, do a Bible study, uh, outline, uh, outline the passage. And then I, uh, write a Bible study, you know, uh, which is not the same thing as a sermon, uh, you know, bring in the commentary, study a little bit of that. Uh, and then, the Thursday prior to preaching, I turned that Bible study into a sermon outline. Hmm. And then and then I write I write everything out. Um I, I wouldn't say it's a manuscript, but it's a detailed notes with quotes and everything. And then the Sunday of I uh wake up. So I write everything out, email it to my team. Uh, sometimes it takes, you know, longer than, than just, uh, the, the, that, that study day on Thursday. Sometimes I have to finish it up on Friday morning, but I'll, I'll email them, uh, my notes. Uh, and then the Sunday that I'm preaching, I wake up at five thirty in the morning, um, go to my desk while my family's still asleep. And then I have a time of prayer and I turn my outline into like a little sticky note. Let me see if I have one here. Yeah. Okay. Can you see it? Yeah. Put it in a sticky note. That's uh, a big sticky note. It's a big sticky note. Uh, it's just basically a simple outline you can see. Yeah. And I uh, put it in my Bible, and then I, I uh, leave the, uh, the detailed outlined uh, behind, and I just take this to the pulpit. And... And that's it. I don't know that I've ever seen a sticky note like that before because it's it's basically the size of a page in your Bible. Yeah, exactly. You... I, I found this at uh, Office Depot, and yeah. I bought a stack of it, and I keep utilizing it. And and then I save all my sticky notes. Check it out. See, these are all sticky <laughs> notes. Yeah. They're very disorganized, but I save them all. And, uh, yeah. You just have a stack I... of them on the side of your desk? Yeah, 
these are from these are from uh, last year that I haven't filed yet. I have uh, some file cabinets underneath my desk that I I'll see. file them. I just haven't had the time to to file them all the fifty two of them. Uh, you just stick them on a piece of paper so they don't stick to something else, and then yeah, tuck them in. Yeah, there. I'll put it on a on a on a sheet of paper like yeah. this too, and then I'll file them. Uh, but then I, I also keep uh, all the, the you know all the detailed uh, outlines on file as well, so I have that too. All right, so let me backtrack through this timeline to see if I tracked with this. So you start the when like two Wednesdays before, so a week and a half before, right? And then you talked about you come back to it Thursday is your study day. Is that a full week later? So just like a couple of days before the sermon? Yeah. So every Wednesday I'm I'm studying the passage that I'm going to preach in two weeks. Yeah. And every Thursday I'm outlining the sermon that I'm preaching that Sunday. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it gives and, you a week to kind of just mull and chew yes, and think about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've learned, I actually have learned this from Tim Keller. Uh, he's a, He's my mentor. And, you know, I'm, we work in connection with, uh, with Redeemer City to City. And so uh, I've learned this, and it's been very helpful because what, what ends up happening is you begin to live the text out, and it, and it starts to come alive, um, you know, after, uh, you know, three, four days, uh, you begin to sort of live it. So when you sit down to do, to work on your outline, you know, you, you've, and, and besides that, you're, you're starting to collect stories and collect illustrations because uh, you have that, you know, uh, internalized. You know, you're beginning to internalize the the, the text, uh, so that uh, it really can come alive when you when you're when you're able to preach. Um, you can pray over it and all that sort of thing. So, so that's been very helpful to me to do that. Yeah. Well, that- sometimes there there are times that it, you know, like as you know, there are chaotic weeks, right? And know. you know, stuff just happens. And it doesn't happen perfectly, but uh, you know I try to 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 uh, to make it a discipline, really, uh, even though you know it's not perfect. So do you block out? I mean, we're talking on a Wednesday today, so but it's afternoon. Do you bl- usually block out most of Wednesday for that first round of study? So the first round of study doesn't take a lot of time because you're just doing like a, it's a Bible study. It's what's on the surface. Uh, so I did this already this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, from about 9 a.m. to 11.30, I did that. It took me about two and a half hours. And what's and when you're done with that part, what's it look like? You just have a bunch of notes scrawled on a legal pad? What's that? Like, what do you yeah. end up with? So, yeah, I have uh, – I don't have the my uh, my journal book, but I, I have uh, an outline of the passage. Yeah. You know, verses 1 to 3, this is what he's saying, and verses 4 to 5, this is this. You know, these are the – so I outline the passage – and then I, you know, sort of uh, write as if, if as if I'm like doing a uh, a, a fresh Bible study uh, to a group of people around me. You know, just what's on the surface, the uh, the context, the practical uh, implications of that, and you know that sort of thing. Just basically walking verse by verse. Uh, and then when I have some time, I'll go to some commentaries, and you know, some of them are online, some of them are not online. Um, and, and then I just make references to the commentary so that I can go back to those commentaries when I'm outlining the passage. Uh, you know, so, uh, also, uh, to try to cross some references with books. So right now it's, it's helpful to, to work on a series. So right now I'm talking, we're talking about discipleship, what it looks like. So I have like four or five books, you know, Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship and, 
uh, created a discipleship culture by Mike Breen. So I have a, a list of books that, uh, you know, I, I set aside for that series. And, uh, and so sometimes on Wednesdays, even I go back and select some of the quotes that I'll probably utilize when I start to uh, put the outline together. Yeah. Uh, what are some of your go-to favorite commentaries? Uh, depends. Uh, New Testament, Old Testament. Uh, I probably my my favorite New Testament commentators are um, uh, William Lane, uh, you know F.F. Bruce, uh, Leon Morris, yeah. uh, Ladd, um, those guys. You know, um, just to name a few. I also go to the classics. You know, I'm a big Calvinist, so I, I have all of Calvin's commentaries usually. Uh, try to, you know, uh, check everything before I preach or uh, with with the Calvin commentaries to make sure I'm not committing any Calvinist heresies. You don't want to accidentally become Arminian in the midst of writing a sermon. Right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, Calvin was a better commentator than he was actually a systematic theologian, I think. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, go to that. But Old Testament, uh, you know, guys like Derek Kidner, Bruce Walkie, um, uh, so you know, those are some of them. Uh, Hendrickson. So you tend to yeah. you tend to favor not necessarily even series as much as different commentary series for different books of the Bible. Right. Exactly. Depending on, depending on who might have written them. Yeah. yeah. So if you look if you look behind me, all my commentaries. Yeah. Are all stacked up there, and um, I have some online stuff now on Logos. They that's helpful. Uh, especially when I'm traveling and you want to, you know, write an outline on an airplane. Um, it's good that you have the digital files, but all my commentaries are behind me. And I have, I have a, also, I also have a, a small library at home uh, that I, you know, have some stuff there. I can't keep too much stuff at home. My wife makes me get rid of them. So <laughs> I, what I do is, you know, when I go through a series, let's say I'm preaching a series on the book of Isaiah, I take my Isaiah commentaries home, and then I bring back my Mark commentaries back to the right. office. Sort of, <laughs> I try to keep that going. So, so, so Wednesday you you come out with all that. So then the next day you're going to look back at Wednesday notes from a week ago, and yeah. basically write that more detailed manuscript kind of thing. Yeah, you turn into so a sermon is a sermon is like you know you're telling a story, so you you know you have to you work through that plot line, right? You build the the tension and you resolve it with the gospel always, and so it's very different than a Bible study. Yeah, and so I try to turn it into a story, basically. So is there a standard? I mean, is there a kind of a standard outline or movement that you follow as you put the sermon together that you're putting those pieces into? Yeah, I have a few of them. Uh, like for instance. Uh, I come up with a premise first, build the tension in the second point, and then and at the end I resolve it with the gospel. Mm-hmm. Whether you know, you're preaching Old Testament, New Testament, you're going to come Testament. back to gospel. Yeah, yeah. I'm a three-pointer. I'm a Presbyterian Calvinist. So <laughs> <laughs> try perspectivalism, all that sort of stuff. I uh, try to make my points to, you know, what's the uh, the normative, what's the situational, what's the existential as well. And each of the points try to give a different emphasis as well. Um, that's, uh, you know, something else about, uh, the way I outline things. Yeah. And I mean, you talked about that's pretty detailed. Is is that all handwritten too, or are you typing that? I type in that. Yeah. Yeah. I type all of that. Um, 
So, you know, I'll go to, uh, you know, so I'll, I'll show up on, on Thursday with a notepad or my journal with all the, the notes mm-hmm. um, from the passage. And, and then I, you know, write an outline. I try to come up with an outline first. You know, what's the best way to tell this story and resolve it with the gospel, give people hope uh, and uh, so that they can find grace and, and, and deposit their trust in Jesus. So I come up with an outline that's compelling and then I uh, type it into uh, my pages file and then I start to fill it in, you know, just writing it down and uh, all the sub points within the points and et cetera. So, so you, you talked earlier. I mean, it sounds like, like Miami, you would have a fair amount of diversity in your congregation. Yeah. And even, you know, things being translated into Mandarin on the fly. So how does that affect either maybe some of the lines of reasoning that you follow that you're trying to appeal to ways different cultures might engage things, but even more so just in, as far as illustrations, what do you kind of do to make sure that you have illustrations that can hit and connect with everybody? Yeah, that, that's actually a, a tough one, especially as I go around and preach at the different campuses because um, the demographics uh, change uh, from, from location to location. So it's funny, uh, when I know like this, this Sunday, uh, I am preaching at all locations. And uh, at our downtown campus, uh, we have a lot of young professionals, singles. And here at, uh, at Pinecrest, there's a lot of young families and families. And, uh, and in Miami Springs, uh, we have a bit of an older crowd. And a more, more seasoned, mature crowd, like I, I like to say. I wouldn't say older. If, <laughs> if they ever hear that, they're going to get mad a at me. wiser crowd. Yeah, wiser crowd. So what I do is I try to, um, you know, set aside uh, a general illustration on each point that I could utilize and I could use a, uh, utilize across the board. Um, you know, so these would be illustrations from movies or um, books, uh, novels, and then I uh, set aside an illustration for each campus. That's that that's geared more towards, you know, that audience that I know that they would connect once they hear that illustration. You know, yeah, yeah even so. movies can be tricky. I mean, our, our congregation is very young, and if I refer to Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I'm not sure everybody will have seen that. You know, yeah. When when it comes to movies, I try to use classics. You know, like classics that you know that uh, even even if uh, it's an old movie that the young people cannot accuse me of not being cool because it's a classic. Um, so, yeah. Which Ferris Bueller's Day Off might fit in that. Yeah, might fit in that. <laughs> or, or, or even like uh, The Lord of the Rings. That's, you know, it's, yeah. it's something that cuts across uh, the generational lines. Um, that, that's an example of a book that you can use an illustration from. So, and you, so you talked earlier about the teaching team kind of helps with the long-range planning. But as far as a week-to-week, do the teaching team have much input? I mean, you hand off what you're writing to share with the others who are going to be preaching, but is there any circular stuff going on? What's that process look like for incorporating some of those other voices, even in your sermon? Yeah, so we have a, we have a pastor's... Uh, you know, I ha- on Tuesdays, I have a full staff, staff day. In the mornings, we have a, a staff meeting, and... Uh, 
the Miami Springs campus has their own uh, staff meeting on Tuesdays, but once a month we all get together. We have an all staff day uh, once a month, uh, and on a weekly basis, each of the campuses meet. And then in the afternoon, the pastors uh, meet, and it's a part of our our time together. is a time of of uh, uh, you know just uh, praying for each other, encouraging each other, hanging out, and having fun, but also talking through uh, sermon ideas. And, uh, you know, that's, oh, well, I just, I read this uh, on the New York Times this week, and it re- really relates to what you're talking about. And they'll say, oh, yeah, and, you know, and it reminds me of that story uh, uh, that I read the other day, uh, this magazine, or uh, this was a life, real life experience that I went through. And, or, you know, there's this book, and here's another cross reference uh, in the Bible that you can utilize, or we can. I, I would love to go to. And so we sort of feed off of each other there, and it's a healthy, real fun time. Uh, we, there, you know, sometimes you'll you'll see guys uh, with a little notepad taking notes. Sometimes it's just, you know, no one takes any notes, and we just take it home. And sometimes, hey, what was that movie that you talked about later? You know, we'll call each other and ask those questions. Yeah. And so. All right. What was uh what was different? Uh, sorry, I'm I'm totally changing speed here because this question sure. I sketched earlier. What was different about sermon prep for a church plant in Brazil versus Miami? Uh, you, in in Latin people, they don't they're not very structured, and so you know they really um, respect if they can sense that you're speaking you know, on the Kairos, you know what I'm saying? On the moment. <laughs> and, and so I, I've learned in Brazil that my sermons can't be too structured. And, uh, my process there was very, it was different than here. Um, I used to just, uh, you know, sit down, I would bypass the whole Bible study and commentaries where I just sit down and, and go ahead and do an out, outline on a uh, sticky note and just stick it in my Bible smaller than this, and uh, I wouldn't write it. I wouldn't bother writing the manuscript or, or any of that. I would just, you know, simple outline. And, then, you know, and I'd probably do it a, a day before or two days before and, and then show, just show up and preach it. And so, um, yeah. But with all the Latin, even with all the Latin influence in Miami, it's different. It's different. Yeah. Because you're still in America at the end of the day, too. So you're preaching in English. And, so, and, and I've also learned, uh, I think that, uh, you know, part of, part of, um, of sermonizing and, and delivering a sermon is to disciple people of how to read their Bibles. Um, and so a structure helps, I've learned, uh, even in, in a Latin context like Miami, it, it helps to provide them structure. I've been developing as a preacher. I, I started preaching when I was 19 years old, I had a church when I was 19. Hmm. And so I, I've been preaching for a while, and that's going to be 20 years uh, next year um, as a preacher, almost every single Sunday, you know. Uh, but, you know, I can really pinpoint, uh, you know, when, when my development really took place and uh, when my process of coming up with uh, a solid sermon uh, started to take place, uh, and it's really been through like a lot of the coaching and the mentoring that I received over from city to city and, you know, some of the leaders, uh, you know, and coaches uh, over there. They've really helped me, even though I've been to seminary, both in Brazil and in the U.S. I mean, I think uh, 
I've, I've been really helped by, you know, uh, these people that have come alongside and helped uh, me become a better preacher by listening to my sermons and critiquing and giving me suggestions and all that sort of thing. So what's one of the clearest examples of you getting critique that's, that stands out to you as you think back? As much as you want to share here. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll share the first, the, first, the first time that I ever came to Emmanuel Church. Uh, we were living in Brazil at the time, and uh, they flew us over here to get to know the church, to see whether we felt that this could be you know, a possibility for us. And they had me preach. I think it was uh, the Sunday before Christmas. It was the third Sunday of Advent. And I preached a sermon. I, I was actually thrown off because when I walked in the place, uh, the congregation was much older than I expected. And it felt like I was in a, in a worship service back in the 1980s. When we lived in Atlanta, we attended this PCUSA church by Columbia Seminary, where my dad went to seminary. And uh, it felt like I had gone back to that church in time. Uh, not only the people, but you know the, the whole service. And so when I when I got up there, I was completely thrown off, and uh, and then afterwards, I spoke with Al Barth, who is, uh, you know, to this day my coach over at Redeemer, and I said, how did it go? And he looked at me and he says, well, the content was great. <laughs> <laughs> so. But, you know, basically he said, you yeah, look, you know, I don't think you connected with them. Uh, the delivery was not good. You know, he didn't, he didn't exactly say that, but by saying the content was great, that's what <laughs> right. he did. Um, so that was – and so I said, well, uh, I could have, how could I have done it better? And so he said, well, maybe, you know, he gave me some suggestions, and that was one example. Yeah. But uh, oftentimes, sometimes Al is, is notorious for uh, – and some guys actually know this. He's, he pops in your church unexpectedly on a Sunday and then he writes you um, you know like a little critique afterwards or either encouraging you or saying hey you I think you really should pay attention to this this or that so <laughs> do you outside of that do you have your ongoing internal setting uh, set up for critique whether with it's others from the teaching team like is there any post sermon post mortem that happens there with the team yeah oh I, I get emails on Mondays <laughs> Uh, from people from the congregation. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, I, I, we can't really f get feedback from, from each other, like the, the ones that preach at the different uh, campuses because we're preaching. And so we're not yeah. sitting through each other's preaching. Uh, I try to go to a few people and give them the freedom, like the complete, complete freedom to kind of criticize me. Uh, there's a lady at our congregation at our church here that she's a PhD in English. And so since English is not really my first language, I've given her the freedom to correct me uh, so that I can learn uh, from that standpoint. There's a, there's a guy uh, in our church that's uh, one, of the, one of the elders. He's the chair of religion at the U University of Miami. And uh, so I give him the freedom to critique me theologically as well. And so I give di different people like, uh, uh, you know, the opening to help me develop and mature, continue to mature as, as a preacher. Uh, when you're the senior pastor, sometimes your staff, uh, even though, you know, I, I would think that they feel that I'm, I'm, I'm approachable, but because it's your boss, you know, they feel that right. <laughs> it's kind of sensitive to to go and make any sort of critique, except that when, when it, except when it's like a, an encouragement or a good feedback. Um, but yeah, 
my wife also helps me uh, really well. Uh, she, you know, she's been sitting under my preaching for a long time. And sometimes I feel that I've, I just killed it. And she just goes like, I thought I was all right. Or I wasn't good at all, you know, and uh, she'll point things out. And, uh, sometimes uh, I feel that uh, I didn't really hit home, but then she comes and says, yeah, but you made this point. And I think this was really helpful to people to hear that, etc." So, uh, she, she, she's also very generous, uh, in, you know, helping me get good feedback. Yeah. Um, couple, couple wrap up questions, but as far as, uh, books that have helped shape you as a preacher, maybe they're preaching books, maybe not. Do you have any that come to mind that you'd pass along to others? Yeah. Uh, classic, uh, Lloyd Jones, uh, preachers and pre- preaching, uh, preaching and preachers, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's the title of the book. Um, Brian Chappell's Christ Center Preaching, um, Ed Clowney's materials and lectures on on preaching. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I just I have this, you know, I'm, I'm pretty segmented. Um, oh, uh, but uh, I, I read a lot of old sermons by Jonathan Edwards. Um, love him, uh, and obviously Keller as a mentor has been very helpful. I've been exposed to his trainings and all that for for years. And his book on preaching, his latest, uh, his new book on preaching, I think is a fantastic, phenomenal, very, very, very good book. Yeah. So th- th- those have been some of the books that I've that I've really, you know, learned a lot from, and I've been able to sort of uh, apply, um, you know, their ideas in, into the way I communicate the gospel to people. And if somebody wants to learn more about Crossbridge, uh, tell us what the church website is, and if you do. You blog on the church website, I noticed, but do you do Twitter or anything like that? Tell us all of that. I do. Um, so uh, let me start with the most important, my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me at Felipe B. Assis. It's F-E-L-I-P-E-B-A-S-S-I-S. Uh, There's only one S at the end? One S at the end. Two oh, S. I'm glad you told me that. It's, it's tricky, yeah. So okay. it's uh, it's two S's, then one S. Um I uh, I have an Insta- Instagram account too. It's the same. It's the same uh, um, same address, same login. Uh, and then you can go to the church's website www.crossbridgemiami.com, and you know all the sermons are there on file. Or I think it'll lead you to a podcast page. I guess. I mean, I haven't been there in a while. It does. But- I looked at it earlier today. Yeah, and then we have, uh, and then we have, we live stream um, our morning services from Pinecrest every Sunday uh, on HD. So you can you can check it out if you want to, and and you can uh, follow us on live stream too. And all the sermons there are on file as well. They're stored up there on video if you desire to kind of see, um, you know, what it's like for me. So, well, Felipe, thanks so much. Yeah, it's, it's good to good to hear a little bit of your story, and uh, I have to I have to say when I you know it was originally Keith Keesler I think that put us in touch uh, yeah. those guys over there, and I did not expect that you were going to be a, a Calvinist a redeemer. I, I I just have you know I guess I have stereotypes when I know you're coming from Brazil, so it's just fun to hear how all of these things are coming together in your story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my my uh my I'm a third generation Presbyterian. My both my grandparents were Presbyterian elders. Uh, my dad is a Presbyterian minister. Uh, 
And so there you go. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Happy New I Year. I appreciate that, John. Take yeah. care. Bye. Thanks, as always, for listening. You can find us on Twitter.com slash Sermonsmith. You can find us at Sermonsmith.com, or you can do a search for Sermonsmith on Facebook. Follow along there, as well as share what's happening with the podcast for others who you know who might be interested. Thanks so much. Bye.